Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Why do the weekends go so quickly? Well, part of it is because it's nonstop football. Saturday, college, some wild and wacky developments. Uh, certainly some really close games. Uh, final installment of Bedlam. I know my Oklahoma friends on both sides of the aisle, if you will, were geeking out over that game between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Uh, my future hubs was freaking out over Texas going into overtime against Kansas. Uh, You had Georgia in a battle, Alabama against LSU this weekend. Uh, That one taking place in Tuscaloosa and on and on and on Uh, the USC loss. And maybe some of you saw the Caleb Williams video where he's with his parents in the stands and he's bawling his eyes out after they lose in overtime. So an emotional sport it sure is. And also an emotional weekend for a lot of reasons. One reason that has nothing to do with football, uh, but DeMar Hamlin was back in Cincinnati with the Buffalo Bills, inactive for the game, but the night before had dinner with members of the University of Cincinnati medical staff that helped to save his life going back to last January. And if you hadn't heard or saw his Twitter post, he surprised them with a scholarship named after each of them to support kiddos in Cincinnati as they chase their dreams. So there's a really cool photo up. I shared it on my Twitter, ALAW Radio. I love the fact that even though he isn't getting the chance to play football week in and week out, what matters to him most is taking his second chance and taking all of the love and the support that he received and now paying it forward, if you will. All the money that people poured into his foundation so that he could do good. And yeah, he still has plenty left over to give toys to kiddos at Christmas time. But he has planted unbelievable seeds around not just his own community of Buffalo as well as Cincinnati, but around the country. Uh, various youth football teams, the new medical equipment they have, life-saving technology and equipment in case, I should say, if and when this happens to someone else. He's revived from his cardiac arrest, and he is now using his life to impact others in so many positive ways. I continue to be impressed by this young man, and I do root for him to be on the field. But regardless, whether he's playing or not, he's going to make an impact around him. So check that out. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. On my Twitter, you can also vote for Monday MVP. We've got some worthy candidates, but it's turning into a two-horse race. Our Facebook page, too, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We had given you four pretty impressive options for the After Hours Game of the Week. And ultimately, though it was pretty stiff competition, you went with Chiefs and Dolphins from Frankfurt. We'll try to work in a little more from that game, at least the one wild moment just before half that was a jaw dropper. 
But coming in second, Cowboys and Eagles. Also a game that will hit again on this final hour of the show. I thought Bills and Bengals would get a little more traction, but it did not, even though these two teams and these two quarterbacks have recent history. So Buffalo and Cincinnati on Sunday night football, and maybe you've noticed the Cincinnati Bengals are now very much locked in, back in that groove. In fact, they've got their groove back the same way Stella did. Joe has the ball. Under pressure, dumps it nice. off short, caught. Drew Sample has a first down to the 10, the nice, 5, yeah. toward the pylon. He's in. <laughs> Touchdown. Beautiful. Bengals, Drew Sample catching a short pass from Joe Burrow and doing the rest on a 22-yard TD. Did you notice the tight end theme in this game? And we're talking little used options for the Bengals to this point in the season. But Irv Smith very much involved. Drew Sample, uh, one of the backup tight ends for the Bengals. He's also in the mix and hurdles a defender to get into the end zone just before halftime. And so, yeah, you had Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor involving so many different members of the offense. It was really impressive to watch uh, the way that they mixed it up. Now, speaking of mix, uh, Joe Mixon, he had 14 carries. He didn't go very far. The Bills defense stuffed him time and again. Came pretty close to breaking through with a couple, but just didn't find that room. Instead, Burrow was able to pass for nearly 350 yards, and he worked everybody in. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, Drew Sample, Irv Smith, and then Tanner Hudson, another little-used tight end. So three different tight ends uh, hauling in catches and getting involved in the offense. So as they go into halftime, the Bengals have got the advantage. And in fact, they're up 21-10 in the third quarter when Dalton Kincaid fumbles. Now, Cincinnati settles for a field goal despite having multiple snaps inside the 10. But still, that fumble and those points off turnover could have been seven. Instead, three. Those were really important as now they're up by two scores middle of the fourth quarter. Whatever it is about the Bills, I know they're dealing with a bunch of injuries but they still got Josh Allen. They still struggle to run the ball. And at this point, they're trailing, so they need to throw a little more. And another issue is that they just don't start quickly, usually. And, and that was the Bengals' problem when, when they had the, the struggles in the first month of the season. But the Bills tend to, at least lately, start real slow. And they don't settle into a groove. They don't look like a dynamic offense until much later in the game. But they at least gave it the old college try. This is a clock-burning drive for sure. 3.40 left. Allen in the shotgun. Shakir in motion right to left. Takes the snap. Looking left. Now back to the right. Into the end zone to Diggs for the touchdown. It's a 17-yard touchdown reception. Can you dig it? And the Bills are going to go for two. They do, in fact, go for the two-point conversion, and it's also Diggs who catches it with some pretty footwork on the back line of the end zone. So he's able to get both feet down. Then he takes out a security guard who's like three times his size. Uh, poor guy. Actually, I felt bad for both of them. It was a really ugly collision. But in that moment, though, uh, because Buffalo has the ability to strike quickly and because Josh Allen had spread the ball around to other receivers, the Bengals' defense 
they couldn't then lock down on just Devon Diggs. So, yeah, they get within striking distance. They get within five points, but there's just not a lot of time left on the clock. And what the Bengals really need to do is to get a couple of first downs. Well, right away, they go deep to Tyler Boyd. I think it was about 30 yards for that first reception. And then it was wash, rinse, repeat. Hand it to Joe Mixon. Burrow in the gun. Mixon to his right. Chase out to the left. Boyd and Higgins out to the right. Drew Sample out to the right as well. Joe Burrow hands on hips. Eyeballing the defense. Buffalo showing pressure up the middle. The Bengals hand it to Mixon. Gets away from an ankle tackle. Running toward the first down marker. He's got it. Wow. And that is Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> These are the stages they want to be on. They don't shy away from them. Um, that confidence is earned confidence. It's not It's not anything phony. Um to try to present themselves as if they're ready for these games. They, they, they've worked for it, and they trust not only themselves, but they trust their teammates. Nine games left, so uh, we're 5-3 we're and three right now. We're in a great spot. Uh, we just got to continue to get better. Really happy with how we played the last couple weeks. We got to keep it going. Uh, and we were 1-0 this week. We got to be 1-0 next week, too. This week means nothing. Uh, we'll come in tomorrow, watch the tape, lift, go about our business, and um, we'll go from there. I don't know whether or not it gives them more confidence or whether or not they were able to maintain more confidence through the slow start because it was the second year in a row. But Joe Burrow did mention that a couple of times when they started out, what was it, one and three. Um, and, and now they've rattled off four wins in a row. And they've also beaten the Bills five consecutive times. And that includes playoffs. So if nothing else, they've got the confidence because they're starting to build that experience. I do think it's important a couple of things that, as I was saying about the Bills, they slow start. The Bengals have now scored in this winning streak on their very first possession in all four of these games. So that's a big deal. I was a little surprised that Joe Burrow mentioned playoffs himself. <laughs> and I didn't hear the question, so I don't know if somebody else brought it up. Uh, but yeah, we're at the midway point. They are 5-3, and three, and they are very much in the mix. Uh, not just for a wild card spot, but he's still potentially the AFC North. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. We'll talk about the Ravens here in a second, but the Steelers, the Browns, the Bengals, all at 5-3, and three, and the Bengals are among the hottest teams in the game. And if you missed my conversation with Mike Petralia, who joined us from Cincinnati in the first hour of the show, I asked him, when did the Bengals get their groove back? And also about that defense, really the unsung heroes, because obviously with any great quarterback, with any elite quarterback uh, who's out there on the field, sharing the field, uh, you're likely to have a defense that's maybe not getting the same attention that's overlooked, if you will. Uh, but this Bengals defense is sneaky good. As for the Buffalo Bills, they dropped a five and four. And, and that's surprising in and of itself, simply because of what we know about this Bills team. They've had multiple playoff runs now. Of course, they've come close to getting uh, to the Super Bowl. The idea that, uh, you know, the AFC is getting better around them is one they have to contend with, but not just the whole conference. Their own division is getting tougher with the Dolphins now being at the top. I mean, this is crazy to say, but the Jets are in second place in the AFC East right now. Jay believes me because he knows I'm telling the truth, but you can't help but shake your head at that. Now, it could change tonight, Monday Night Football, because the Jets are hosting the Chargers. Oh, my gosh. I was driving into work on Sunday night, and I was listening to New York 
weather and traffic because they are always together. And I was checking just to make sure that I wasn't going to run into any traffic snafus on my way into the city, which is where we're located. And the the woman who's doing traffic, she clearly had run out of things to talk about because she starts, you have your allotted amount of time that you have to do your traffic report. She starts talking about how Monday night there's going to be some traffic snarls around MetLife Stadium. And she's rattling off all the various avenues and streets and roads that go to MetLife. It was really funny. She sounded like she was reading it off of a piece of paper. (laughs) Don't make it up. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, she she really was. She was scrambling. She was um, filling time, if you will. Well, it's a phrase we hear sometimes on the radio. Anyway, so yes, that reminded me, Jets are hosting the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Right now, they are in second place. What? They're ahead of the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East. And if they win tonight, they will stay ahead of them. I, that, I'm almost speechless over that. And it's frustrating, I'm sure, for Bills fans because it's frustrating for me just watching them be so inconsistent still. I know they've had a bunch of injuries. I know. But injuries do not explain why Josh Allen is airmailing balls every place on the field. And while he does have Stephon Diggs and and there certainly are still those, those brilliant moments and those brilliant connections, he just hasn't looked to me, as though he's had a complete game yet, or maybe except for the one against the Miami Dolphins earlier in the season. The offense just has been out of sync. And so, yeah, it's a mixed bag still with the Bills. We had our opportunities, didn't score before half, um, didn't get six on the first drive of the second half. Um, That's not complimentary football. You know, you had a double dip and and get the points there and um, give yourself a chance, and you know, and it's the old cliche in order to win, you got to stop yourself from losing, and we didn't do that tonight. We played a good Bengals team. You know, we just got to stay focused. Um, start off just a tad bit too slow um, on all three phases. But we still feel comfortable where we're at. You know, we still got a, a long stretch of good teams coming up. And, you know, we just got to keep going and, you know, get back in the lab, see what we did good, see what we did wrong, and just keep pushing on the Denver. Vaughn Miller actually got a hand on Joe Mixon. Uh, Not that he was going to bring him down, but he did cheat and jump into the backfield, and he actually had a hand or an arm on Joe Mixon on that last third down conversion before the Bengals were able to get the first and run out the clock. So he's still a, a wrecking crew. They've obviously lost some major pieces on defense, but that wasn't the issue. It's still not the issue with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, So Sean McDermott just trying to remind people who they've got in that locker room and why he's not going to freak out. These guys do a great job. They're invested, and and, um, um, look, it's tough to win in the NFL. You go against a good football team, you got to do things right, and we didn't do enough things right tonight in order to win. So the Bills have fallen to the Bengals five consecutive matchups, including playoffs. Uh, They have the same number of wins, but certainly uh, the Bengals are going the right direction with the four straight victories. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. For those of you who didn't think Seahawks and Ravens would be scintillating football, well, maybe you were right if we're talking competitive and an even fight. Uh, But this was yet another game where the Ravens flex their muscles. Uh, Pretty impressive what they are doing right now. They are one of the best defenses in the NFL. And if they can run the ball 300 yards, no, I'm not kidding. 
They ran the ball for 300 yards against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. 40 minutes with the football. A game is 60 minutes. They held it for 40 minutes and ran the ball 300 yards. Lamar Jackson doesn't need to throw touchdowns then. He doesn't need to be brilliant, though. He is a load, and he accounted for nearly 250 yards himself. But the defense was just as tough for the Ravens against the Seahawks. Seattle goes one for 12 on third down. Uh, They only get a field goal in this entire game. 150 total yards. That's it. That's all Geno Smith and the Seahawks managed. Uh, So by the time they got to the fourth quarter, Lamar was on the bench and Tyler Huntley was throwing the football. The offense comes to the line of scrimmage with 619 left to play in the ballgame. Ravens in front, 30-3. Justice Hill in the backfield. Huntley wants to throw, lobs in the back corner of the end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown! OBJ, his first is a Raven. After the Super Bowl, I was just talking to myself, and I was like, I just can't go out like that. You know, I've dedicated so much to this game. I don't care if it was, I worked all this time to get back on the field for one catch. Um, I'm going to give it everything I got this year. So, truly, I mean, God, God's, He's got a sense of humor, you know, for the touchdown to come on a birthday. Um, I, I couldn't ask for a better present. OBJ, happy birthday to you. Welcome back to the end zone. And, yeah, he was fired up. Meanwhile, the Ravens moved to 7-2, and two, one of the best records in the NFL. If we playing like that, we don't even need to hit no peak or stride. Just keep staying locked in how we are and just playing every opponent the same way. You know, physicality, um, being smart. Uh, and defending what's ours, you know, our home turf. That's what makes him special. Um, you know, he, he, he causes defenses uh, to, to be disciplined at all times uh, because he's that special with the ball. The Seahawks' Jamal Adams commenting on Lamar Jackson and calling him a load, and that certainly is a compliment. So, yeah, in the AFC North, every team is above 500. The Ravens are 7-2. and two. They match the Chiefs for best record in the conference, and they're second only to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are at 8-1. and one. So those are your best teams right now, uh, though we do still have the two uh, teams that will play tonight, but neither one of them will match those three for best record. Nobody's e- got it better than the Ravens. Eagles and Cowboys. Uh, we'll get to them coming up before the hour is done. But, yeah, the second consecutive year that Philadelphia has started 8-1. and one. Uh, Let me see if I can remember the stat I heard on my way in. Hasn't happened since the Colts in 05-06, I believe, were the years. And those would be Peyton Manning years. So it's been a long time since we've had a team go back-to-back seasons out of the gate at 8-1. and one. And that's what the Eagles are doing right now. And remember, they went all the way to the Super Bowl and nearly came back against the Chiefs last February. You can find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio. Good to connect with you. Happy Monday. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. You can vote for our Monday MVP on either Twitter or Facebook. It's After Hours with Amy Law. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. First 
and 10. They're at the Cowboys 29. Hurts back again. He steps up. He's looking. He is going deep. And it is caught. It is caught down the far side of the field. It is Skinny Batman. Smith for a touchdown. That's Skinny Batman. And the Eagles take the lead. That's Skinny Batman. Hurts in the gun. Swift behind him. Slot to the far side of the field. Eagles up 21-17. Hurts fires. Complete to A.J. Brown. Touchdown. He caught the ball at the two. Cut back and walked in. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence. Cowboys, Eagles, always dynamic, and it certainly was. Dallas was actually up by a field goal at halftime after three consecutive scoring drives. But then early in the third quarter, the Eagles go to work. A deep shot touchdown to Devontae Smith. Man, his stutter step was a thing of beauty to be able to get just enough space behind his defender. 29-yard score that you hear there barely with Merrill Reese. Poor guy was losing his voice all the way through this broadcast. And then Mike Quick, his partner. And then the next drive is one of those sloggers. Is that a word? I mean, if blogger became a word, why can't slogger become a word? I feel like I knew what you meant, so, yeah. (laughs) Of course, I make perfect sense. Uh, Six-and-a-half-minute drive, 87 yards, and it's a healthy mix of the DeAndre Swift and A.J. Brown, who catches a ball and then barrels his way into the end zone because that's what he does. He's He's a load as well, even as a receiver. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Dallas had missed opportunities, and that was definitely a theme of the postgame. From Mike McCarthy to Micah Parsons to Dak Prescott, what you keep hearing is a game of inches. We were so close. We were right there. Well, yeah, that's certainly helpful, uh, unless, of course, you are on the wrong side of it, and they were just too many times. It's fourth down and a yard and a half. They will push no tushes. Shotgun, fourth and goal. Snap back, looking left. To the goal line, the pass. It's caught for a touchdown. Right across the plane, and it's caught by Schoonmaker. It's a big old tight end world, isn't it? Ferguson had one earlier, now it's Schoonmaker. Well, the the arms of the judge, the side judge over there in the corner went right up. But this is going to be reviewed more than a Broadway play opening. The left knee, when the left knee is down, Schoonmaker's down, and the ball has not crossed the goal line. I think this is going to be coming back. It, in fact, did come back, and on fourth down, that was it. It was a turnover on down. So talk about a few inches here or there. The call gets overturned. Brad Sham and Babe Laufenberg on Cowboys Radio. Because in the New York market, We were stuck with Raiders and Giants, and it was an exclusive broadcast, exclusive window, meaning Cowboys-Eagles wasn't airing. Uh, Well, it was Fox anyway, but just, ugh. So I listened to the entire game on radio, and then on NFL Network, they flip, like, large chunks of, of the game. So I'm listening to it on radio, and then I'm watching, you know, entire series come up on NFL Network after that. But Brad Sham and Babe Laufenberg, they're really interesting. Uh, Babe at one point tried to bait 
Brad into talking about Taylor Swift and <laughs> because of the whole Kelsey Swift thing with the Eagles, you know, Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift, he tried to bait him into talking about that and Brad wanted no part of it. <laughs> like none whatsoever. <laughs> Actually, when I was speaking to a college class in North Carolina via Zoom last week, Someone asked me about the NFL and Taylor Swift and the cross-section between the sport and pop culture and whether or not I was tired of talking about it, but also what impact I thought it had on the NFL. It was a really insightful question from a college student uh, that I was speaking to. So I did actually have to talk about Taylor Swift in that class last week. All right, it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. So they get stopped there. They turn the ball over. On the one-yard line early in the fourth quarter. But I love that Cowboys defense. And they get a short field after a three and out. And Dak then finds Jalen Tolbert uh, with a seven-yard touchdown. But true to form with the whole game of inches theme, he's out of bounds on the two-point conversion. Before the ball crosses the plane of the goal line, he steps out. And he's he doesn't get that two-point conversion. They don't get that two-point conversion. And so, yeah, this was one of those games where you look back and you think, no, face palm. We were so close. We were right there in the end. Uh, the Philadelphia defense, they're able to not just stop the Cowboys on fourth down on the final two possessions or the final second to last possession, I guess. Uh, but they also have their own fumble where they end up recovering. And so they avoid a scare themselves. Uh, five sacks on Dak Prescott. 10 other quarterback hits. The defense really did its work. Uh, and the Cowboys are left wondering about, well, certainly the return game in Dallas, but also just about not wasting those opportunities because that's something that we've seen them do so far this year in, in the games in which they've lost. Stating the obvious, it's a, it's a game of inches. And, and um, you know, and we came up, you know, an inch or two short on a couple of plays. But... Um, love the way our team plays. I love our play style. Uh, give the Eagles credit. Uh, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great home environment here. Uh, I have a lot of appreciation for, for Jeff Lurie and what they've done here. So love to come here and compete. And uh, we knew this was the kind of game it was going to be. I always tell you guys, the margin of penalties and errors is so slim. I mean, we step on the goal line, knee hits the ground before the goal line. Um, crucial uh, penalties on drives that... You know, we should have got off the field. Um, it's, a, it's a hard league to win in. And when you kind of beat yourselves on certain things and, and other factors don't help, it just it really hurts. So, I mean, we could take away the game that uh, there was a chance we could have won. Either way you look at it, it was a close game. It was 50-50 toss-up. We had a chance to win there at the end, but we didn't. So we got to get back to the drawing board and get ready um, for next week. Micah Parsons practicing for his podcast, which will drop today on Bleacher Report, The Edge with Micah Parsons. It's actually one of my favorites. But you can tell more and more he is absolutely angling for a broadcasting job. Laugh now, cry later. <laughs> but he's so funny, uh, and he's insightful, too. He'll talk about anything. He has zero V-chip. The man will talk about anything that happens on the field, which is why it's good. Because, like, with Tom Brady... He would talk about moments during games, but he wouldn't give you a whole lot. He's far more open now that he's retired. Micah doesn't care. He just he he lays it all out there. So I really enjoy his podcast. As for the Eagles, 
Well, yeah, they end up surviving that late scare, and they do come up with a couple of huge stops of the Cowboys in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jalen Hurts battling through some knee pain, uh, ends up with three touchdowns of his own. What an incredible win. What a what an uh, incredible uh, sense of perseverance and resilience from this team. Um, still have yet to play, our, play the complete game. Um, and we're so hungry and eager to continue to grow and build upon the things that we've been able to do. We're just trying to find a way to win, and I think that's just what we're doing. I don't, I don't know like how to, to describe it, but I just, I just think that we're stepping up when we have to, making plays when we have to. Yeah, you hear Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown both say we haven't yet played our best football, and I suppose part of that is you're getting every other team's best shot. You're the defending conference champion. You're the defending division champion. You got the best record in the league. So obviously, and and this is not really applied to Dallas, but obviously you're getting every other team's best shot. You're you're got a bullseye on your back. But Cowboys Eagles, like some of the best rivalries, the juiciest rivalries in football, they're always going to be acrimonious. They're always going to be real tight. And this one was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, but the Cowboys fall to five and three. Now in the NFC, that's not a huge issue. Except don't look now. They've got the same number of wins as the Vikings. Oh, okay, Josh Dobbs. So yes, we still have a few minutes to go before the top of the hour. We've got two games that we have yet to get to. One of those is Commanders. Uh, They were seeking a win in New England. And then a hallmark moment, a a milestone moment. It's probably more appropriate for Kenny Moore of the Colts and Gardner Minshew, who doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, But the top two headlines, in my opinion, on this Monday morning following Sunday week nine, Two quarterbacks that couldn't have taken more opposite roads to get where they are and yet converging on Sunday. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Stevenson, big hole running to the right side across the 40, outside to the 45, slugging it down the right side, past the defenders, goodbye to the 25-20, to the 10, to the 5, end zone bound, touchdown Patriots, who take the lead. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Boy, did the Patriots' offense need that. A 64-yard run by Ramondre Stevenson for a lead before halftime against the visiting Commanders. Bob Sosi, Scott Zolak on Patriots Radio. This is uh, helpful, too, when you get a Sam Howell interception in the end zone. All right? So if he's turning the ball over, it means extra opportunities for their opponents. But he also has the ability to chuck and duck. And so for the Patriots, uh, again, not putting enough points on the board. We've seen flashes of that New England offense. Mac Jones can look really good in stretches, but there can be other stretches where they're completely and utterly ineffective. And it doesn't even need to be turnovers. It's just empty possession after empty possession. And sometimes when they fall into the ditch or drive into the ditch. They just have a real hard time getting out again. Sam Howell in the gun. Robinson asking for direction. Three wide receivers to the left. 
Snap to Hal. Patriots break five. Plenty of time. Lobs one center of the field. A lot of traffic. Jahan Dotson! What a catch! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! For a 33-yard strike from Hal! For so many times we're saying they're close, they'd connect it to score. 38 seconds to go fourth quarter. 20-17 to 17 Commanders. Pats have the ball at the Commanders. 41-yard line. It's a second and eight. Snap to Jones. Washington breaks four. Pressure up the middle. Throws over the center of the field. That was popped up the air. Picked off. It is picked off. Quan Martin at the 32-yard line. And Washington's going to get a win in New England. They had not had a turnover yet. There you go. They get it. And it is the young guy, Quan Martin. All right. Game over. On the Washington Commanders radio network. Yeah, there are actually no points in the fourth quarter. So after Washington grabs the lead on a field goal late in the third, and it's impressive, too, to see the defense uh, do its work in that fourth quarter and limit New England, even without Chase Young or Montez Sweat. Uh, they're able to make that third quarter field goal, that go-ahead kick, stick. Six straight punts, <laughs> just it, it really slogged down. It's my word for the show. Uh, before New England then has that ball and has the opportunity inside the two-minute warning. But it's a zinger off Juju Smith-Schuster's hands, and it's intercepted. Uh, and that's the end of the New England threat, if you can call it that. Patriots go 3 of 12 on third down. They fall to 2 and 7. I'll give you one guess. It's the last time they started 2 and 7 would be the year before Tom Brady was drafted. Uh, they had, they've really struggled at home. Actually, they've struggled everywhere. Uh, it's just, a, it's abysmal right now. Meanwhile, for the Commanders, they get their fourth win over 400 yards of offense. And Sam Howell, he'll admit it's a lot easier to find your targets when you've got a little time in the pocket. I think that O-line unit is really starting to come together. Um, they put together two really good games, and we just got to continue to grow. Um, and they're doing a good job. Tyler came coming in is doing a really good job, and he's doing a good job with making the right calls and me and him being on the same page. And then those guys are fighting. Um, and that's all we can ask for them is, you know, continue to fight. And, as, and, you know, as we continue to grow as an offense, you know, their job will get easier. You know, as we run the ball better, as we continue to get the ball out fast and stuff like that, as, as I continue to grow and develop, it'll only help them. Um, but, you know, we're doing some good things, and we just got to try to continue and build on it and let it translate to more points. You could understand why the commanders would feel demoralized after two of their top athletes and top players were traded away before the deadline and yet uh, they go out and they get the win they're at four and five now they're still third place in the NFC East and there's a gap between them and the Eagles and Cowboys but a win is a win and it can certainly help your locker room and and uh, give you a little bit of an encouragement but if you're looking for some defense um, since the Niners are not playing this weekend if you're looking for defense look no further than the Indianapolis Colts young in the pocket Throws it upfield, picked off by the Colts in the near sideline. 35, record 25. Kenny Moore racing for the end zone. 10, 5, touchdown! I-N-D-Y! And that's a 49-yard interception for a touchdown. A pick six by Kenny Moore. Play action, Bryce Young. Throws it left side, and it's picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it. It's Kenny Moore again. He's at the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Two of them there. A pick six by Kenny Moore. I got to tell you, one of my favorite video clips of this entire weekend is Kenny Moore with his two interceptions returned for touchdown, but his family. Now, the, the stadium was not full. This is Carolina. 
there are plenty of empty seats. So his family is just off the field, and they are going nuts for Kenny Moore. Waving towels. Remember, they're on the road in Carolina. Waving towels, screaming, yelling, jumping up and down. It was really cool. Looked like three, four family members, and they were so proud of Kenny, which was awesome. First cold ever to have two pick sixes in the same game. Second NFL player in the last 11 years to have two in the same game. And the Indy defense, really the catalyst here. They hold the Panthers under 200 yards, four sacks of Bryce Young, as well as three takeaways. And also important, Gardner Minshew does not turn the ball over himself. Maintaining your confidence through those stretches, you know, I think we all understand uh, what we have potentially as a football team. I think if we play to our potential, it could be really good. Um, you know, so it feels good to get back in the winning ways. In the AFC South, the Colts are four and five. I mean, raise your hand if you thought the Colts were going to be four and five this season without their quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Uh, so that's impressive. And Gardner Minshew, if he doesn't turn the ball over, they are so much better. Jonathan Taylor is finding his legs again. He had a receiving touchdown yesterday. But really the key is for Minshew not to play fast and loose with the football. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. While we're talking about the AFC South, the Jaguars, they've won five in a row, but they're off this weekend. So they're 6-2. and two. Just behind them now is a Houston Texans team want to talk about a surprise. You want to talk about just the, the, this kind of magical groundswell around the Texans. And a lot of it has to do with D'Amico Ryans, but a lot of it has to do with C.J. Stroud. Uh, I said this earlier. It's also on my Twitter. Nine, nine rookie quarterbacks have started games this season. There have been a couple other who've, who've played but haven't started. Head and shoulders above them all is C.J. Stroud. And yesterday... He set a record for the most passing yards by a rookie QB in a single game. And so he's he's breaking records set by Andrew Luck uh, back when Luck was a rookie. But more importantly, as the Texans are piecing together wins, you can see how this team with a lot of young pieces, including its head coach, is going to grow up together. I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch. They're trailing the Buccaneers under a minute to go, and CJ's got the ball in his hands on this last possession. He goes five for five as he leads the Texans down the field. Ten seconds to go. CJ gets the snap. CJ looking, throwing to the end zone. Yes! 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 with the reception. Rock and roll. My goodness. There are flags on the field. Could be on the defense. What a comeback. Go Cougs. <laughs> Let's go. Here's the call from Land Clark. Bring us some good news. After the play, unsportsmanlike conduct. Defense number 54. Are you kidding? You know, a few weeks ago you said, Houston, we have a quarterback. That was a few years ago, but yes. You no, know, a few years ago. I thought you said a few weeks ago. Uh, that is the defining moment of the welcome to Houston, C.J. Stroud. That is the moment right there. I was saying on the field, man, like, we're going through a lot. Um, and I just remember, like, just uh, actually we were actually in our chapel and uh, our pastor was talking about like worship when you're away. So basically, worship like when things are, aren't the greatest, and that's the true testament to faith. Um, and for me, I mean, that's what I rely on. I couldn't be up here. I couldn't do anything on that field 
uh, without my Lord and Savior, man. And he's given me a, a piece of, like a, a sense of peace, uh, even when everything around me is going crazy. So uh, just got to say that and, and give you all a little nugget uh, of, of, of the word. CJ preaching it after 470 yards, five touchdowns, no turnovers. As a rookie quarterback, he's got a defining moment now. A game-winning touchdown pass with six seconds to go. The call there with Mark Vandermeer and company on Texans Radio. Now, Josh Dobbs has played for five different teams in the last two seasons. He barely got to Minnesota uh, in time for them to turn around and jet to Atlanta. He was the emergency quarterback on Sunday when Jaron Hall got knocked out of the game with a concussion. He's pressed into duty. If you didn't see it, he's on the sidelines practicing his snap count with his offensive lineman because he did not take even one rep in practice this week and yet game on the line against the Falcons in the final minute. Jackson in motion to the right. 11th play of a 69-yard possession. Dobbs back to pass on third down. He stays in the pocket. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Brandon Powell, the former Falcon, has beaten the Atlanta Falcons with a six-yard touchdown pass from Josh Dobbs. 30-28 Minnesota with 20 seconds to go. Paul, if you had any question to this team's intestinal fortitude, they've been answered. It was a team effort, a team mindset, a team mentality that we have the ball. You know, we don't care about the circumstance. You know, we're going to go down, put this thing in the end zone and get a win and get back to Minnesota. He is really a rocket scientist. I mean, that's what gives him such an advantage. Um, But he also talked about Mike Tomlin, and he also talked about how no one's going to feel bad for you. You don't make excuses, and so you attack the situation as it plays out in front of you, and that's what has impressed me so much about Josh. He's traded from Arizona to Minnesota on Tuesday. By the way, the Cardinals could have used him, Uh, and he just attacks the opportunity. He wasn't a highly touted draft pick like C.J. Stroud at number two overall. Nah, he's been sitting behind guys like Ben Roethlisberger. But he goes out there and he makes the most of his opportunity. He's aggressive. He finds joy in it. And the Vikings get another win. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. Boom! Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 